Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. So Jesus, as we just sort of dive into your word and we just allow the word to come to life in our hearts. We know people walk up here every single week that are desperately just looking for love. And we don't know what type of hangups or hurts or habits they have, but God, we do know that those are real. And in the name of Jesus, I go ahead and declare victory over them. Because your love never fails. It never, never fails. And so as we open up the word, Lord, allow just to prick away at the heart of those who have ears to hear this morning. And we thank you so much for this day. In your name, amen. All God's people said, yeah, yeah. Hey, for thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, if I had a chance to meet you, my name is Jason. I'd love to hang out with you and get some time in with you. Um, but just not today, okay? I'm going to spend time with my family and spend time with mom and just enjoy some home cook. The weird thing is she, she cooked all the food, so I don't know what that looks like. You can judge me later. Um, but she, we're going to go over to her house, hang out a little bit, and then enjoy some food. But last week, we, we revealed what love built this means for us. We, we revealed the big idea because it's, it's much more than just a sermon series. It's much more than just a t-shirt. It's much more than just a location on Main Street. It's a movement. It's a movement of those who have a desire to follow Jesus and to become a part of a disciple-making culture that literally can change the way we look at earth. Jesus set it in motion 2,000 years ago, but until we do what it says, it's just church. It's just church. You come, you go, and you experience it. You write your tithe check. You feel like you accomplished something. You go home and tweet about it, and you're like, woohoo! And then Monday comes. And then Tuesday comes, and then Wednesday, you're fighting with somebody. Thursday rolls around, and then what? T-G-I-F Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Some of you got a margarita in both hands. I don't know. But, you know, it is, it is, it is what it is, Right? It is. Maybe it's a painkiller. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's, it's, it's where you're at. But I'm telling you, man, Jesus initiated something that could change the world. And he just said, simply follow me. And when we do that, it changes the way we live, the way we work, and the way we play. Because he wanted us to experience something so much more. And that's what love built is all about. When we decide to really go after this and what center point is all about, when we do these words on these walls, you know, when we allow those to become just more than just words, where we center on Jesus, we point to Jesus and we live in Jesus, and we become fully devoted to Jesus and everything, and not just something that we say, but we actually do it, it actually does change our life. And some of you are actually witnesses, and, and you, you can testify. We wish to have a microphone moment. You know, I grew up in a church on Wednesday nights when the pastor had nothing planned, and it became testimony night. Everybody got a chance to say, you know, you grab that microphone and share it. Some of them, you're just like, oh, here it comes again, you know. But you just, it is what it is. We, we allowed you guys to share, and you would just hear some amazing stories. When Jesus does enter the house, everything changes. It just changes everything. And some of you are still struggling with it. And that tells me one thing, that Jesus is real. Because there's tension in your life. And when there's tension, he's getting your attention. And it's changing a culture. 
And when you start to change cultures, you do experience these four words we like to say, and we say them often. We got sweatshirts, hoodies, we got t-shirts, we got everything, but they say change lives, what? See, there is people up here in the loft, I guarantee it. For those who are listening online, they hear it, they know it, they see it. You see, when love builds it, it does change lives that change lives. And what happens next, you just cannot stop. You just can't stop it because only God gets the credit for that. You see, last week we revealed a verse found in Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1.5 that says, you're going to be utterly amazed. You're going to be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not even believe even if you were told. And that only happens, though, when we follow in his footsteps. That only happens when we truly roll up our sleeves and center on Jesus and we point to Jesus in everything and then we live in community in a way that changes our lives through Jesus. When that happens, he's going to do something and he's going to do something so amazing even if you were told you're not going to believe it. You see, I do believe that, but what I also believe that we have to be following Jesus in, in order to be utterly amazed. And so last week we asked a simple question, when love, when love goes through us, right? When love goes through us and not to us, and many of you took this question seriously uh, throughout the week, you struggled with it, you wrestled with it, and you put it into action because you told me what you did. And I got to be a part of one story that was simply amazing. That, they, 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 you know, last Sunday he stressed out about it. He was really worried about it. But then he put it into motion at like 5 o'clock in the morning. He said, dude, I'm coming over to your house with a cup of coffee. And the guy was like, okay. He showed up and they started to experience love in a way that redefined their relationship. Because they're not going to be on mission now for God in a way that goes after disciple-making culture. And I'm telling you what, look out. You're going to be utterly amazed what comes out of this relationship. You see, we ask this question, what does love require of not the church? And we ask the question of what? What does love require of me? And when you answer that, when you answer that really truthfully, it really will challenge you. It could be an opportunity to be utterly amazed. If we all ask this question inwardly and we get really seriously, some of you honestly just probably, if, what does love require of me? It requires of you just walking across the room and having that relationship built in a way that Christ is at the center of it because it's entangled with sin right now. And maybe it's at home. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at play. Maybe it's here in the loft. Maybe it's embracing that friendship that's gone bad, connecting to family that you haven't seen forever or that mother that you're just disconnected with because you don't believe in divorce. Or maybe it's that child it has gone astray because of a hang-up hurt or habit, and you just don't believe in it anymore. You see, love never fails. And if we truly dive into the Word in a minute, you're going to see that. And hopefully it will start to recondition your heart and change what's gone wrong. You see, what we know is when you start to share, when you share love, when, when Jesus is your center of your attention to your friend, your school or at work, you begin to invest with your time, your talent, and your treasure, love will build something. You just don't know what it's going to look like yet, and it's going to change your life. Last week, we finished off our time with asking folks to consider partnering with us as we just launched this idea of Love Built This, and we took these little small envelopes, and we had the altar filled, and we saw people just crying out to God, asking, what does it mean for me? And if you don't know, those envelopes and other, the way you can give is online. You can do a lot of things. But at the end of the, end of the month, by the end of the month, end of May, 
we're going to collect all those things up, and we're just going to see where we stand when we start to take this big, huge leap of faith into this new location called the Warehouse on Main, which sits right over there. It's a big green building. Can't miss it. It's kind of booger green, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's going to stand out, trust me, and it's going to stand out because love built it. Love did built that thing, and I'm ready to just to start slamming down some walls and, and putting some new ones up. And, and if you want to come join us on Tuesdays and Thursdays around 6.30, hey, we're, we're already in there doing some demo work, so you're more than welcome to come hang out with us and, and just get a little sweaty and see what God does. Maybe we don't get bloody, but we'll get sweaty, right? But that's what we ask you to do, to consider what it means to come to the table. We ask people to come to the table, a table that love has built and began to trust God in a way that allows us to see what God can do if we embrace his love. And, and this love is, is allowing us to move locations this fall, and that's, that's our trajectory. And we need your help as we go. You see, what we know is no single person can do this, but as families sitting around a table focused on love, we can, we can together change the culture and we can then change the world. But first, we must embrace love. And so today, I'll, I want us to shift gears and, and, and to really investigate what happens when we embrace love. In the Bible, what we know, uh, God allowed only two chapters in the entire Bible to, to be about certain subjects. And because he hits on misses, and if you talk, you know, if you read the scriptures and you dive into what Jesus said, he, he's just like, he's just talking so many times in different subjects, and he's just like a, a rapid fire machine, man, just questioning and throwing out other opportunities for you to engage. And, and sometimes people walked away more confused than they were at the very beginning, but that's just how Jesus rode. He wanted to get your attention, and he did a fantastic job. Even for the disciples, they were just like, what, what? They acted like, it's like, you know, the mom thing. You shake your head. Yes, I got your mom. I got you. And you turn to your brother and like, what did you say? That's how it was rolling with Jesus. Okay. But here in the entire Bible, there's two subjects. There's two subjects that are devoted to two words. One, we, we know that is in faith. It's all about faith, about taking steps of faith and what faith can look like if we, if we take these big, huge opportunities of faith that God provides, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 11. The whole chapter is dedicated to this word faith and so on. The only other chapter in the whole Bible that's dedicated to one topic and one word is found actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And many of you before, if you don't know your Bible very well, you do know this chapter because you hear it most often during what? Weddings, that's right. We're in wedding season, man. We're full-blown emergency. I was over here at the butter cake place the other day and the, the cookies and the creams and the cupcakes. And, and man, they're just, they're, they're, they're wigging out because they got cupcakes everywhere and they, they got wedding cakes everywhere. And I said, what's going on? It's wedding season. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is. It is now. And she's like, it's on like Donkey Kong because every, every, every weekend now is, is wedding cakes to glory, Right? And I'm just sitting there just laughing and chuckling because I know these, these words are going to be said somewhere along the line. Somebody's going to stand up in front of a microphone, in front of a group of people, and they're going to utter these words found in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And it actually allows us to, to see what, what love does for us today. If we look inward, if we build on it, if we really investigate what it means for us to build on love. So if you're taking notes, write down 1 Corinthians 13. And, and, and ask this question, what does love do for us today? You see, the Apostle Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians, is writing to a people group in Corinth, and he's allowing them to see his writings, what happens when love is truly at the center. 
You see, you got to know where, where the apostle Paul was. Not too long ago, he was not called Paul. He was called what? Saul, that's right. He had a, he had a huge heart change, and, and when his heart changed, he finally figured out what love looks like, and he couldn't shut up about it, so he dedicated a whole, cha- a whole chapter, a whole chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians to love. And this is what it says in chapter thir- or 13, verses 1. It says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, in a month from now, in a couple of weeks, actually, you're going to see a brass band festival. And imagine if I open up my mouth and all these brass band instruments and all these cymbals are going simultaneously, and I'm trying to say something, and that's the only sound you hear come out. It would actually be kind of weird, wasn't it? That's exactly what he's talking about. If I wish to get up here and start talking, all the thing you hear is, blah, 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 you know, it just, it doesn't make any sense. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. If I have no love, it might as well be just a big, huge symbol that you just cover up your ears. I, I notice when, I, when our kids are on the sidewalk and there's an ambulance that goes by, man, it's so loud, by the way. It just echoes off these buildings. But they cover up their ears. We've also been in parades and we've also been in other things when the, the, the band goes by, they'll cover up their ears. You know, I looked at other people and I, I've actually seen them do this. They might not cover up their ears, but they might as well. You can see the days look in their face when they shut you down because you have chosen to tell them your opinion and what you know versus how you love. It shuts it down. Number two, Verse two, it says, if I, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and then all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am what, church? I am nothing. That's huge, especially from the apostle Paul. He's already figured this out in his short Jesus journey, following Jesus, he has figured out, he's got the most knowledgeable man probably on the face of this planet at this time. And he's just, he just seeing things that are left and right, but he has nothing if he has not love. Verse three, it says, if, if I give all my possessions or to, the, to the pouring and give over my body to the hardship that I, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Meaning you can gain everything. You can have all the stuff and you can give it away in the name of Jesus. And you, but if you don't have love, you, got, you did nothing. And it goes on to say this in verse four. It says, love is what? What what was that again? Some of you need that in the drive-thru, just by the way. Just saying. Some of you need that at red lights. Some of you need that. Man, I almost got ran over yesterday on Main Street. Just saying. Don't believe me? Ask Jeff. Guy honked his horn. I said, it's a red light. It wasn't a Christian thing to say. But I did. You can judge me later. Love is what? Patience. Love is what? Oh, come on. Let's just stay on patience for a minute. (laughs) Some of you need that this morning. Love is what? All right. Love is kind. It does not what? Envy. And it does not boast. It is not. Oh, some of you are so weak. You didn't want to say it. It's not proud, is it? You know, my, my wife gets after me sometimes when I, when I boast around a little bit about this pride thing, men, and she can see through it. 
And that's probably a sin that I need to confess in a way that hopefully other men will understand that that's just not love. That's self. And I think if we figure this out as godly men, we can move our families forward a little bit better. You see, love is not, it's not it's, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, and it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of what? Sometimes some of you need to know that. There is no chalkboard with little numbers striking through it. It just does not keep records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the? Yeah, who's the truth? Jesus. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. By the way, you'll never see that again in the Bible anywhere else, where one word is described three different ways in one sentence. Always, 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 always. It's, never, it's, it's, it's nowhere else in the entire Bible. And that's because this next sentence, because it says this, love never fails, because it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. You see, love never fails. If you're taking notes, write that down. Love never fails. Say that with me. Come on. Love never fails. You know, that's a great quote by the Apostle Paul, and he, he wrote that down, and, and people say that always, right? You might even see it on a tattoo. You might see it on a building. You might see it somewhere. Love never fails, and it sort of allows your mind to drift back to this scripture. You hear the wedding. And, but there's other quotes about love that people have said over time, and, and history tells us that these things have actually changed a culture. And, and this person, you might have known, that has changed a culture and changed, she gave up her life to change a culture, and she said it best this way, let us always meet each other with a smile, for a smile is the beginning of love. Mother Teresa, somebody full of wisdom, who never had a child but had how many children? You see, the most important thing in the world is family and love. The most important thing in this world is family and love. For those who love basketball, John Wooden, the famous UCLA coach who won national championship after national championship, said that. Love all, trust a few, and do wrong to none. I probably should have said that in a little bit better voice, but William Shakespeare wrote that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Maybe you know this one. Maybe this is one that can clearly click as soon as I say it. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must also love one another. And the guy who said that was Jesus Christ. 
I think there's a lot of quotes out there that can redefine us and allow us to see what love looks like. And, and, and I think if we know a little bit about history and we dive into history, in 1948, there was an African-American who, was, who played in the American League Baseball, Professional Baseball League, and his name was Leroy Satchel Page. And some of you know who he is and some of you don't. But to understand why this is important or where we're going this moment, he was the only man of color during this time in history that was a pitcher, and he was criticized like crazy. He was mocked. He was made fun of. And everywhere he pitched, he was ridiculed. You see, Paige, especially we're in this baseball season, I know some of you are playing baseball. Hey, keep going. Enjoy the sport. It's an American pastime. But Paige was an amazing at what he did, and he loved what he did. And during the 1948 season, he signed with the Cleveland Indians. And Page went on to be six and one as a starter with three complete games and a save with an average of 2.4 earned run average. Now, those who are in baseball understand that that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Now, I'm not a baseball fan, but I know this is a true story. You can Google it. You can actually, if you got his baseball card with a signature, it's worth a lot of money, by the way. See, Cleveland won the AL pennant that year in one game playoff against this famous team that most of you probably know called the Boston Red Sox. And then he went on to capture the World Series title in six games against the Atlanta Braves. You see, we're throwing out big names now, but this is Page back in the day. See, Page became the first American pitcher to pitch in the World Series of color and work two-thirds of an entering game five and shut them down. You see, one of the stories that came out of his time as being a pitcher was recorded as the opposing team lined up their four best batters. Now, if you know anything about baseball, you don't do that. You put your weak batter, your next batter, your next, and so hopefully you can gain them on bases, and then you put your home run guy to blast it out of the park, right? You see, the opposing team, they didn't like, they didn't like it. They didn't like the, the fact that there was a colored man throwing strikes and, and, and against what they thought was right. They didn't like it at all, and so they lined up the best batter, the second best batter, the best batter, the best, best batter, all in a row. And so Leroy is kind of furious. He saw what was happening, but he was so confident in what God gave him, his ability to throw strikes and what he loved to do, that he told his entire outfield to go sit in the dugout. He told them to go sit in the dugout and don't come back until I tell you it's time to come out. Now, you talk about confidence, right? Then he told his infielders to sit down on the bases and watch what happens next. Now, that's confidence. I don't care what you say, but you think about that. Tell your outfield to go sit in the dugout. Tell your infielders to sit down on the base and don't move. He went on to begin to pitch, and he went on to strike out each one of them after one. Strike, strike, strike. Every single one, they went down. Many times he pitched two games a day because he was that good of a pitcher. He had some famous pitches he called the B-ball. He called another one the bat dodger. I can only imagine, man, that was up and in chin music, if you know what I'm talking about. Another one called the long tom, and the most famous one was called the hesitation pitch. Now, he would freeze on his delivery. So if you imagine somebody going like this and stopping and then following through, it's just the most unawkward pitch, but he would do it every single time, and he would throw off the batter's swing and strike him out. He would throw him out every single time. 
You see, he pitched three shutouts innings for the athletics. He loved what he did. He got traded around a lot. But think about this. He did this literally at the age of 59. You see, Leroy, Satchel, Paige loved what he did. And when it was all said and done, one of his famous quotes about what love was, when they interviewed him, they just started to ask him all kinds of questions. He said, if, 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 if you want to be a good pitcher, keep the ball off the fat part of the bat. If you know anything about baseball, that just makes sense. Another one was, age is a question of mind over matter. And if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. And at age 59, he went out there and struck out those people and won the game for the athletics. And the one that I really want us to focus on today is this one. He said, work like you don't need the money. Dance like nobody's watching. And here it comes if you're taking notes. And love like you've never been hurt. You see, guys, Leroy Page, even though he was ridiculed, criticized, and was growing up in a day and time where nothing made sense, he went out there and delivered pitch after pitch because he, he, he loved what he did. And he changed the culture. And in 1982, he, he was inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, he, he loved like he never had been hurt. And he could have protested. He could have done all kinds of other things. He could have never walked across the, the aisle. But he loved every single person he loved on him in a way that just showed him his true character. And a lot of people will say he was probably the most genuine person that you would ever meet. You see, sooner or later, what I know is this. In this life, the Bible is clear about what we go through. And when it says you will have trouble, you're going to have hurt. You're going to be let down. You're going to be talked about. And you're going to have conflict that comes up. And with someone whom you love, you're going to be stabbed in the back. And while I've said that, most of you have already had an image who've popped up in your brain that has done that to you. You see, but just like Leroy said, we need to learn how to love like we have never been what? Hurt. Because love never fails. I know many of you have been wounded over time by things that have caused deep pain in your life, yet you have overcome this pain by his love, Jesus Christ's love. Because his love never fails. And when I look into the scriptures and I think about Joseph, when his brothers who sold him into slavery, yet they stand in front of him now, don't even recognize him. He has the power to either love them or destroy them. In that moment, he chose love. And he loved them like they have never, like he's never been hurt. And he saved him. He saved his family and he saved the world and he chose love. He could have chose hate. You see, Moses wanted to set God's people free, but he failed miserably, and he ends up 40 years in the desert. Then God shows up in love through a burning bush and says, go back to your people and set them free. And he went back, and he loved them like he had never been hurt, and he was able to set people free through God's love. And there is something that happens when we understand that God has called us to love like we've never been hurt. You see, David had a father who did not believe in him. He had brothers who made fun of him, a wife who mocked his worship, and he had a, he had a son named uh, Absalom who broke his heart. He had a father-in-law who tried to kill him, and you thought your family was screwed up. You see, you have to make your mind up today if we're going to sit at this table called love and say love really did build this. 
We have to love like we've never been hurt. And I know the wound may be really fresh and you're saying, no way, Jason. You have no idea the hell I've been through this week. And I'm gonna say, you're right. I don't, but he does. Because love never fails. I just got to get you to understand that you need to lean into the author and perfecter of life because he wants to change your life. And when you change your life, guess what happens? It's a domino effect. It changes other people's lives because the only thing you can say is love never fails. When we look at the life of Jesus, we know this, Jesus was afflicted. Jesus was beaten, which is an external hurt. He was bruised, which is an internal hurt. And he lifts his voice and says what? Father, forgive them because he made a decision that day to set love truly in motion. You see this. This is what we have to understand if you're taking notes. You see, forgiveness, forgiveness is a choice. And when we decide to do that, it changes lives. Forgiveness can rewrite your future, and the Christian walk is nothing but a journey in forgiveness. You see, forgiving people what? Forgive. And if we don't know what forgiveness means, then we cannot ever usher it out. Therefore, we don't know who Jesus is. That one's tough for swat to swallow this morning. I know it, it just, it's got its own challenging moment that can actually cause you to reconsider who I follow if I can't forgive. See, a lot of you are following yourself because you've been taught, but you never really have experienced forgiveness. You see, Jesus was hanging on the cross and simply said, Father, what? Forgive them. I'm going to love them like I've never been hurt. These nails, these wounds, this blood, you see, love really never fails. How many times, how many times, if you switch the scripture over, how many times do we forgive then? Well, Peter, one of Jesus' earliest disciples, he was one of those disciples you just did not know what was going, he was going to do next. I mean, he was kind of crazy, let's just be honest, if you read the scriptures. Saying, yes, I will follow you, Jesus, and I'll do everything the right way, to jumping off a boat in a storm and walking on water and then sinking, he's losing his faith, right? And to preaching the good news and then to jumping up and cutting off a dude's ear, to denying Christ three times to preaching love to thousands and thousands. I mean, I mean, this dude has lost his mind. I think Peter listened to way too much DMX back in the day. He's like, you know, just being honest. You probably didn't expect that one, did you? But when he said, y'all about to lose my mind up in here, up, this, is, this is how Jesus, this is, this is Peter's life, man. He's about to lose his mind. I just want to love Jesus, but I don't know what to do. You know, he's had an internal struggle. He was trying to figure out, is this real, is this fake? He didn't know. But Peter, Peter did know one thing. Well, Jesus, how many times? How many times am I supposed to forgive somebody because they're really ticking me off over here? And Peter, he asked this mathematical formula. He said, forgiveness, Jesus. He said, you should usher this out. How many times do I need to forgive? And because of Pharisees, the Pharisees teach me that I need to forgive three times. So Peter said, I'm just going to double it and add one. Jesus, I'm just going to say I'm going to need to forgive somebody seven times. And if you know the scriptures, in Matthew 18, 22, Jesus fires it right back. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Let's start with that. But I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Peter's like, what? I can't even do math. That's like, I don't have enough toes and fingers. But it comes up to be how many? 490 times. 
You see, the reason why he threw out such a big number was because forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. And that's what love does when you lose count. And you just keep on going because you know this word for sure. You've already said it multiple times. What is it? Love never And when you go all in, you just keep loving them with Christ's love, not your love. And it will change your life and it will change theirs. That's that's why we say change lives, change lives. When we look around, we see hurt. Our our our, Our homes, our families everywhere, even good Christian homes are in such a mess because we simply just do not know how to love. Because we have been wounded and it, and it, and it, and we don't know how to forgive. Because the truth is, we've all been stabbed in the back. We've been bold-faced lied to in our face. Maybe even worse, you've been cheated on, you've been molested, and it's been covered up. We have broken families faking it just to make it today. And that's not what Jesus wants. He wants you to experience his love that never fails. And we wonder why this world does not know how to love thy neighbor. Our churches are looked to set the example of love, but they don't know how to even build on it because they've never experienced it in the first place. It's just a religious ceremony. It's because we've forgotten how to love like we've never been hurt. You see, just because there's conflict, it does not mean we cannot love We love because Jesus had loved us first. And if we follow, and if we follow Jesus, then we are commanded to what? Love. But conflict, but conflict keeps us in our hurt and it keeps us away from change. And more importantly, keeps us away from love. Let's see, the apostle Paul goes on to say a couple other brilliant things. He says in Romans chapter 5, he says, If we've been given the gift of reconciliation when we were far from God, we had no righteous compass whatsoever. God, who was rich in his mercy, one who knows the truth about who took the first step and every other step to reconcile you to his love, we just have to choose to accept it. But he goes on to say, now we just have to do that to one another. Do you know what nitroglycerin is? Nitroglycerin is basically a chemical compound, and, and they used it back in the day to blow things up. They still do. I mean, in the dictionary, it actually says it's used as an explosion to blow things up. In the same sentence, it says comma, but it also can heal hearts. You see, our words are like nitro. We can either choose to blow our house up or we can choose to love and heal broken hearts. It's your choice. You see, I want to be a part of a household that sits around a table that love builds something that only he can get the credit for and be utterly amazed. Even if you were told, you would not believe it because it does not make any sense. It should have been blown up. But see, love stepped in and said, I got this. Because love never fails. You see, sometimes is what I know is this. It takes the worst things done to you to bring out the best in you through love. Why? Because love never fails. It's changing our heart constantly. It's changing our character and our life. It's like a diamond 
A hard rock put under the most intense pressure turns into something that is the most simply beautiful and radiant thing on the face of this earth. And so today I just would like to pause and introduce a person to you, one of my better friends in life that I've now learned to do life with. And he's allowed love to surface because the person he decided to love, this person decided that they needed to love like they'd never been hurt. And so today I want to set the table for one of my best friends. His name, I'll share in a second, but he loves shoes and he loves hats. And today he dressed way over well for me. But his name is James Hun. So James, if you mind, come on up here and share the stage with me and sit at the table. And I share this because his experience of where he's been and, and the hurt that he's been able to have and And I want to keep on building on this idea of table. It's a good table. It's a love table. We need a microphone. Otherwise, this is going to be a weird conversation leaning in like this. I can only imagine what the rumors would be. But James, bring us up to speed and just tell us where you have been hurt in life. So where have I been hurt in life? Uh, many of you know part of my testimony, and I used to be ashamed of this, but I'm learning not to be ashamed anymore. But from the age of 4 to 12, I was sexually molested. Uh, as Jason and I was talking a couple of months ago, no family really wants to share their most inner hurts or problems, but not only molested, but it included incest. Uh, it was just a terrible, dark secret in our family, in our community. And so that's, that was how I was hurt, because that... That abuse led me to uh, really create different identities, to be honest. Uh, living in fear, shame, regret, uh, Air Force, military guy, nobody could know that. But not only was I molested as a kid, I was also raped in the military, which I really kept hidden for so many years. Uh, and it's painful because even as I think about love and me going into my marriage relationship, I didn't share all this with my wife. So... 12 years into our marriage, she really figured out that there was something going on with the struggles that I was having. And uh, it, it damaged my relationship with her, with my kids. Uh, very painful. Very painful. Very painful. And in that journey, what we do know, and you've revealed to me, is until you found, I mean, you, you, you went to church your entire life. <laughs> it was more religion than it was what yes. love was. But then that moment of clarity through some great, great ministry opportunities through Celebrate Recovery and some other things. Can you walk us through that moment when love really just entered in and, and, and ushered a, a piece about so, this? Because I need to bring it because I was severely injured in Afghanistan in 2013. I almost served by spinal cord. And so uh, I was in surgery for eight hours. But through this process, I was in physical therapy for 18 months. So coming back to the States, I was in physical therapy. And I started having flashbacks to my childhood, which was very painful. And I started seeing all this stuff. And, uh, and I realized I had never, I'd been in church all my life, but I really never experienced the love of the Father. Mm. I had never, you know, religion is religion, and I really never had experienced his forgiveness or his grace. I'd been in church all my life, but I'm talking about having an encounter. And I went to church uh, one Sunday, and our pastor had three chairs up on the stage to represent God's love, his grace, and forgiveness. 
And as he was beginning to share about love, I mean, I was just broken. I just began to weep because I realized I had been in church all my life and I really never experienced the love of the Father. And, and I had to get mental health counseling. I, I was having suicidal thoughts. I wanted to die because I was really facing this pain for the first I was 47 years old and was facing this pain for the first time in my mm. life. So I had to get mental health counseling. And so one of my counseling sessions, one of my counselor, which was a secular counselor, she looks at me. She said, James, you are sick as your secret. But she said, I have a place for you to go tonight. Wow. And she held up a Celebrate Recovery flower. And I'm like, what the what? <laughs> what the what? And that night, I went to New Life. It was the New Life Church in La Plata, Maryland. They had uh, Celebrate Recovery. And if you were the first-time visitor, you broke off into your small groups. And I was the only first-time visitor that night. So and your group I, was really small. Yeah, my group was <laughs> real small. And I had to talk because I had been holding this secret for so long. And so that night... An older gentleman named Joe, he was there, and I was weeping and I was crying. I said, Joe, I just got to talk. I, I was molested. I was going through all this. I was struggling with my sexual identity. I was going through all this, and Joe grabs my hand, a 65-year-old Caucasian guy, and he begins to weep with me, and he said, James, I suffered the same thing that you did as a young wow. man. Wow. And I began to experience that. I realized that I was not alone. And I, there was no need to live in fear and shame because I realized that God was going to use this. I finally figured out the pain that I had been through. God wanted to use it for his glory. And I didn't understand Man. it through my life. I really didn't. I was ashamed of it. I was afraid and I lived in fear. But that night, God said, I want to use this for my glory. I really wanted to do this for his glory. Amen. So through the circle of hope. Yeah. So, it was, so from that moment forward, when Jesus allowed you to see what love really looks like, and you, you moved in that thing where that zone of what Leroy Page said, he said, hey, love like you've never been hurt. And when you did that, it changed not just your, where you were heading, but it literally has now changed hundreds of lives. And, and so bring us up to speed now with Circle of Hope, Hope Network, and where God's using you in this culture called Danville, Kentucky. And why Danville, by the, by the way? Yes, yeah, so uh, really in 2014, I came back to Kentucky. I had to confront my parents about, you know, did they realize what had went to, that had happened in our family. And, uh, and I just began to feel that God was calling me back to Kentucky to to this community to help bring change because I know other families that have suffered in our community that have suffered the same thing. Uh, but through the Hope Network, I just began to share with brothers like Jason of my pain and uh, God opened up our, up our opportunity to work with our Circle of Hope clients and getting them jobs. And these are addicts that are court ordered to the shepherd's house. And just to see their pain and their trauma to realize that there is hope. And I try to share my testimony that no matter what you've been through in your life, mine happened to be sexual abuse, guilt, fear, theirs is addiction to drugs. There's no difference because God's love does not discriminate. Right. He doesn't care how low it's been, where you've been at in your life. He loves us all the same because that's the reason why Jesus came to die. He came to die for the addict, the abuse, the, the ones that have been hurt you know, the, the outcast. He wants us to know that there is hope and that hope is in Jesus Christ. So on a daily basis, we have the opportunity through the Hope Network. Our goal is to live out God's love. Mm -hmm. live, it, live it out on a daily basis, right in the throes of their addiction. You have the ups and the downs. And I mean, some days it's like you just want to go home and go to sleep because it's just been a rough day to see that, to be able to love people unconditionally. And sometimes same way we do, we don't accept that love. Mm -hmm. We don't accept the love of the Father. We still struggle with that, the guilt, the fear, the shame. But every day we have that opportunity to live out that love. And so 
you know, as we sort of wrap this up, like, what would it, what would it look like if you chosen not to love in that moment of pain, not to accept that love from the Father, and actually said, you know what, instead of love like I've never been hurt, I'm going to show you what hurt looks like, and I'm going to share this. <laughs> Man, I, I think I still battle that, though, to be honest, because uh, I have to be transparent. My relationship with my wife is still strained. My, my relationships with my kids, God is working on those relationships. Uh, but I decided that I just had to love. You know, mm-hmm. I there's individuals that I could probably just decide to hate, but I refuse to do that because the same way that God has loved me, I want to be able to give that love back. And so that's what I decided to do, turn my pain into purpose, and that is to love. And some days I still struggle with, you know, the pain, the guilt, the shortcomings, but through that I know God's love has conquered all that. Amen. So I decide to love because there is a scripture that says, Love covers a multitude of sins. And so his love, I just want to give it back. And some days it's like, man, I could choose to hate. I could choose to do this, this, this. I could be vengeful, but I decide not to do that because then I'll realize that would not be the love of God working through me. Amen. James, what would you say to the person out here that's been hurt even this week or this past month, or maybe they're still struggling with a hurt? How can you encourage them with love never fails? Just, just to me, it's just accepting that, that the same way that we have hurt, I, like, I know one of the questions I began to ask God in my healing process, and I looked at my sin, and I looked at everything that I did, I, in Romans it talks about where sin abound, mm-hmm. grace did much more abound. Mm-hmm. So even in the midst of all that hurt and that, that, that trying to understand God's grace covers that, man. And I had to accept that because I realized that I had never accepted. I mean, just to be able to live in God's grace, it just changes your whole paradigm, man. To yeah. accept that love and that forgiveness for me. And then I realized that if I don't do that, then I can never love, really. If I don't accept the love that he's given me, then and I don't allow that to flow through me, only through the power of the Holy Spirit, then I will never be able to love like he does. And I truly believe that we can love just like 1 Corinthians 13 says because of Jesus Christ, because it says in the word that the love of God is shed in our hearts abroad mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. You know, So he gives us the ability to love just like he loves. Mm. Amen. Well, this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to encourage you all to consider this this morning. If love's going to build on something, you have to love like you've never been hurt. And when we do that, it will change the atmosphere. The question is, are you willing to move from here to there with his love and not your own love that you're manufacturing? And see, we have to love like we've never been hurt. And when we do this, it does change lives, that change lives, which allows love to build on something that, that we will walk away and be utterly amazed because these three words, love never fails. So why don't you pray with us as we just close up today and as the band comes up and sings this song. But Father God, we just ask that in the midst of, of pain and hurt, we know that if, if you're going to build on something, we have to love through it. And some of us have, are in it right now. And then the hurt is really fresh. It's really painful to even consider. Maybe our marriage is not where it needs to be and someone has slept out the back door. Or maybe it is true where, where our child has, has wandered 
Or maybe it's, it's self-inflicted. Self-inflicted through an addiction, a hang-up, a hurt, or a habit. Or maybe it's just something that we don't even understand. But God, you do. And so I'm asking right now that as we just lean into this, that we lean into this idea of love, that we really do experience what love does. It never, never fails. And God, even even though some of us are just probably tearing up right now on the inside and just ready just to pour it out, God, I just ask that the river flows because in that there's healing. There's no condemnation and no nothing here from us, no shame, no guilt. It's just a choice to just to go on in and then just experience what forgiveness looks like so we can start to forgive others and we can start to understand that we have to love like we've never been hurt. And God, that's, that's when you're gonna do what you said you were gonna do. Even if you told us we wouldn't believe it, but we're gonna be utterly amazed because your love is gonna be at the center of it. And as a group of people, we'll point back to one thing, that's your love. And as we start to do life with each other, we're gonna love thy neighbor in ways that only you get the credit for, and it will multiply because love built it. So Jesus, today we ask that we just confess it. Confess the hurt over. Start to experience your love in a new way where it can grow us and mature us and change our lives. And God, I also know there's people in this room that have never, ever, ever experienced that love. It's been more of a religion thing and, and they're just going all in. And, and God, I just ask for them just to start to consider what does it mean to experience real love? A love that can change a life because real love, it never fails. Father, you know who they are. And so I just ask that you start to move them. And for the rest of everybody in this room that has ears to hear or online listening, God, taking a sneak peek, hey, I just ask that you start to prick all of our hearts. Allow us to move towards you in a way that really allows love to shine bright. Even though we're gracefully broken in a way that just can sometimes feel like it's painful. But your love is there just to wrap us up because it never fails. Jesus, that's my prayer. And I thank you for this moment and what you're about to do and what you are doing in your precious and holy name. Amen. Hey, there's an altar here for you to respond. We're going to sing a song. And I just ask that you do that in your way. Maybe you need to walk from this side to that side or that side from this side. And you just need to embrace somebody. Maybe you need to grab your husband's hand or maybe your wife's hand. And you just need to pray. You need to do this together as a couple. Maybe do that over your daughter, your son. And as a mother, maybe you just need to come up here. Or maybe as a child, you need to go to your mom. Hey, don't be afraid. Do it with love that casts out all fears. And trust that love never fails.